K-Start Podcasts. Nipun, it's great to have you here at K-Start and love to have you start off with telling us a little about yourself. So thanks, Vani. Thanks for having me here. And uh, look, thanks for the great partnership with Kalari. Uh, I've been at IBM for many, many years now, more than 20 years. Right? Done a variety of different things. But in this current role, right, I'm opening up uh, how does IBM transform and work with the ecosystem? How do we both support as well as leverage the broader ecosystem out there? This is an exciting time. It is an exciting uh, place for startups to be in. And, uh, and we think that we will change IPM sufficiently enough to be able to get right ahead of the ecosystem in the way we love this. I'm really curious to know more about, intrigued to know more about IBM and the startup ecosystem partnerships. But before we get to that, the world is really talking about AI and IBM has been a pioneer in cognitive solutions and uh, cloud platform. Can you elaborate more on how you see IBM's solutions role and in uh, the purpose of these cognitive solutions impacting everything we do. Right. We are positioning IBM as a cognitive solutions and a cloud platform company. So we are going away from our past, which was around hardware, software, services, etc. While those businesses remain extremely relevant and extremely important for us, the way we are positioning ourselves with our clients is around cognitive solutions and cloud platform. But let me give you a little bit of a context first. As you know, IBM has transformed many, many times over the last 20 years. And we are in the middle of one more transformation. Over the last few years, we've been working on what we call our strategic imperatives, things like cloud, working with data, analytics, social technologies, mobile technologies, etc. This really goes to form a digital foundation. The way to look at it is, all our clients are investing in these technologies. But when everyone becomes digital, what next? How do you differentiate yourself from your competitor? Right. So look at it as, this is the digital foundation. What you need on top of that is digital intelligence. So that's what gets us to cognitive. Because cognitive is really built on a base of digital technologies, but it goes beyond that to harness the power of the data which you're generating in huge amounts every day uh, and to really provide the intelligence that is needed to organizations as well as to individuals. Now, it's an early start, but over the last few years alone, we have started to see cognitive start to disrupt industries like healthcare or add a lot of relevance to financial services and insurance and working with the government. For so eventually, our prediction is that every decision will be made with a cognitive context. Every industry will get disrupted or will leverage cognitive in a major way. The way we look at cognitive, and you mentioned artificial intelligence, the way we look at cognitive is a combination of natural language, artificial intelligence, and hypothesis generation. And many companies look at them differently. They look at just the artificial intelligence portion of it, which I think is great but it is really a little bit in the back office. To allow cognitive to participate and collaborate with human beings and to really work as a partner in many of these industries, you do need the natural language interface to it. And you need to bring in the hypothesis generation element because that's how we process data. We assimilate data in our brains. And we, uh, you know, in a fraction of a second, 
arrive at the best possible hypothesis, uh, and that's the response that we, that we provide. So that's the way we are approaching cognitive computing. And, and look, you know this, but these are systems that learn. These are systems that don't need programming, right? Uh, so this really is the future. I also mentioned cloud platform. Everything will be built on the cloud. That is the de facto way in which IT will get consumed. But more than just vanilla IT, cloud is the platform for disruption in processes and business model uh, evolutions, etc. So cloud is the platform on which everything will happen. But cognitive is the digital intelligence that we desperately need to make sense of uh, the world around us. Now, I'm really glad that uh, cognitive and AI is happening in my lifetime, moving from research to mainstream. But that brings me to a question. When we talk about these technologies, it feels big company-ish, IBM with its 100-year history. What can startups learn from IBM on technology cycles and being able to sustain and come out stronger? I would say one or two big things. If you can create a culture of constant innovation and self-disruption, and I'll talk a little bit more on that. So that's one. The second would be how do you embrace and integrate many, many different companies and cultures within your own and, and still make it into a homogeneous culture that you might do sustain them. So two big things. We have, over the last 100 years, innovated and come up and really invented and created many, many big businesses. For example, the mainframes in the 50s, which are still going strong. I mean, 95% of the world's financial transactions still happen on the IBM mainframe, right? Uh, so if that's a business that started then, but still going very strong. Uh, then the PC business was started by us in the early 80s. We really started the global integrated services business in the 90s, right? And that became the basis for a $50 billion business for IBM alone, and then hundreds of other companies that got spawned from in the services space. And now we're doing, going to do the same thing with cognitive. Right? So cognitive is the next big thing, and we're investing a lot of money and effort and resources behind it. So we think cognitive will be the next big thing that will happen. So how do startups constantly keep innovating? But self-disruption is equally important as innovation. So how do you give up what you created just a few years back? When we sold the PC business 10 years back, people were surprised because there were many other big companies which were at that point in time integrating other companies into their fold, right? Uh, and so people were really surprised why is IBM selling off the PC business, right? But we did it at that time because we realized where the future was headed and the fact that it was getting commoditized. Last year, we sold off our Intel server business. And Along the way, we sold off our disk manufacturing business. Right? We sold off our, uh, our LCD panel business. Uh, we used to have a network of our own that we got rid of many years back, etc. So keep innovating, but also keep disrupting what you have. Because sometimes people get stuck with what they have created in-house and they can't get rid of that. Right? And that causes a big organizational uh, survival issue. We have also integrated... I would say 150 different companies into IBM in the last 10 to 15 years. Many of these companies and many of these businesses have actually spawned big IBM businesses like Lotus Notes became the seed of our software business. Right? We brought in Price Water 
business uh, into which became a global business services, which are application services business, mm -hmm. etc. Right? So how do you bring those big businesses in and assimilate them? Mm -hmm. Right. That's something which many of our startups will have to face. Either mm -hmm. they will merge, or they will integrate, or they will combine forces, or join hands with other companies, etc. That's quite natural in this world. Right? Mm -hmm. But how do you do it successfully and on a continuous basis is something that I think you can certainly take and certainly learn from it. So that's the DNA that they can pick up uh, from what IBM done, has done and done um, so well. You know, I, I think these are very relevant points because many times startups don't know about it. So they often ask, why should we go to IBM? It sounds like a big behemoth and uh, are they relevant to me and how can I talk to them? Well, there are many things that you can work with IBM around. But if I were to pick a few that I think we are uniquely positioned for, I would say, number one, come and work with us in enterprise clients. Right? We work with some of the biggest clients around the world. And we are in the process of innovating with them on how do we collaborate jointly with startups and ISVs and industry associations, etc. to solve common problems. Right? Just yesterday I was in Mumbai working with a very large Indian corporate house right, and uh, on exactly this topic that they do not have the resources to solve everything in-house neither can one IBM help them with everything that they want to solve so how do we really harness the innovation and the, and the force with, with the startups and ISVs uh, and the ecosystem in general to come together and create an open lockable platform where everybody can benefit from so that's one, working together with enterprise clients. Second, I would say, come and explore cognitive with us. This is the future, as I said, and this is, a, this is an area where we're investing billions of dollars, and this will define the way every industry and every decision gets made. So come and explore that with us. Finally, just come and explore IBM. We are a treasure house of innovation and ideas and skills. Just in India alone, we got the best labs. We're doing a lot of work around, for example, blockchain in India. We're doing a lot of work on cognitive in India. So we've got the best industry skills, business skills, technology skills. So just come and talk to us. Come and work with us. Sometimes in the past, we may not have been as nimble or as open about it. But let me tell you, Vani, we are completely motivated in IBM India to have every IBM business unit work with the ecosystem. We dwell in the world of startups. And usually they say, what does that mean? Do I send an email to Nippon? Give me a cell number. <laughs> How? And you can. <laughs> and you can. Yeah. But we have a program, yeah. a, a global entrepreneur program, right, which is our foundation program to recruit startups who want to work with us and help enable them and guide them and, you know, and, and we give them some visibility, etc. But it's one program. We also would like to leverage partnerships like the one that we have with you yes. to reach out to other partners and other startups and other players in the ecosystem who may not be part of our global entrepreneurship program. Right? And in some ways, there will be synergy between the two programs, but that's fine. Right? And we will leverage academia, we will le leverage uh, uh, industry associations like NASCOM and the others, to, uh, and iSpirit, for example, to try and get the word out in terms of how you can work with IBM. The session that we're doing today with Kalari is an example of how we would like to reach out to startups. It, it will take time, but yes, we can provide you contacts. We can, you can give my phone number if somebody is really needing help and not making progress. 
feel free, write to me, we'll help navigate your way through. But there are other people in the organization who are kind of missioned to do that on a more regular basis. Great. We look forward to bringing IBM and um, startups together uh, more and more. And that brings me to a fascinating question. In the last few months, you have had a new role. And as you had already shared with us, you've had many roles within IBM. You've been an entrepreneur within IBM. And today, you play this role of being IBM's ambassador connecting to the emerging UAH startup ecosystem in India. What has been your takeaways in doing this in the last few months? I think it's been a fascinating journey, Mani. And I think we have a lot more to do. But, but I think if I look back, my biggest learning is that I think this is the most exciting thing that's happening in India. This is the next big thing. And I'm talking about startups in the ecosystem and the energy behind uh, the space is the next big thing that will put India on the global map. It has the capacity not only for generating huge amounts of employment, but also if we can harness it, we can help solve national problems together working with the government. And we're actually collaborating with the government in a small way to see how can we bring the startups with the government together on issues that are of national relevance, like energy management as just one example. Right? The same way, as I said earlier, working together with enterprise clubs. Second, we have a unique opportunity to experiment, to create new business models, to try different approaches in how can we create a collaborative, open, pluggable platform with technology as its base. But really, it's an open, pluggable platform that allows any startup to join hands with others and, and work on solutions together. So, for example, if you had a rural platform, it would allow a tractor manufacturer to sell directly to farmers. It would allow General Lakshmi Finance to provide microcredit to farmers. It would allow government to provide insurance to farmers, as an example. Right? So it's that approach towards coming together with enterprises, with governments, leveraging the power of, this, of the ecosystem to really solve problems in an open, collaborative way. That's what excites me the most. I know we have more to do. And there's a lot, uh, and in the past, we have not been as focused around the ecosystem. But let me just say that we are opening up all of IBM to work with the ecosystem. We are happy to support them. And in IBM India, every business unit is very, very motivated to, to support the ecosystem. And on that note, uh, you know, really glad to hear of IBM's commitment to Indian startup ecosystem and appreciate your partnership with us at K-Start and Kaladi. I hope collectively we can bring the right things to the startups to enable us to see their impact and their success come to life in India. Nipun, yeah. any parting comments on startups in India, your role, IBM? Well, so I, I'll talk a little bit about my personal learnings and I'll try to relate that back to startups, Swami, because I think the fundamentals of learning and business do not change, whether it's a startup or a large organization like IBM. Right? I've been in IBM 20 years. I think my reason that's kept me energized and going is because I've had five extremely different roles that I've played. Each of the roles required me to unlearn and then start from scratch. But that was a fun part. So my message really is this, that individual relearning, individual reinvention is as important as organizational transformation. Sometimes individual reinvention is more difficult because it requires self-discipline, requires individual commitment. 
versus an organization driving you, right? That is critical. Now, when you look at a startup and the ingredients of success in a startup or in a large company remain fundamentally the same. I like to summarize them as the three A's, right? Uh, that I've always held in front of me as things that would drive success. The first A being aptitude. You do need the basic skills and the basic capability to do that job, but that keeps changing. So you need to keep relearning, but that aptitude is important. The next important thing is aspiration. What's your vision? Where do you want to go? That drives the success that you're looking for. But finally, the most important, I think, is attitude. Because it's that what makes a difference between a successful entrepreneur versus somebody who's just tried many times but doesn't make it. Attitude is what makes a difference between somebody who has the potential to do it versus somebody converting that potential into reality. And I think those fundamentals, in my view, are the same, whether it's a startup or, an, or working in a large organization. I think that's great advice. Uh, and on that note, thank you so much, Nitin. And we hope to see uh, more wisdom and more inputs coming from you. Thanks, Vani, for having me.